Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name's DJ, one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at The Canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we continued on in Thieves of Joy, our summer series in the book of 1 John, looking at the various things that snatch our joy in Christ away from us as we navigate through life. This week, student and groups pastor Kenny Mattingly brought the message and examined shame, how it can serve us by functioning as a gauge, but wreck us when we let it function as a guide in our lives. Let's listen in to Kenny as he brings us this week's message. It's always a uh, joy to be able to hear God's story because the amazing thing is he's writing it and we're getting just a sneak peek uh, of what he's doing and uh, we can all be uh, participating in different ways like Katie said, whether we're, we are going overseas or we're here in, in Shelby County. Uh, if you're not familiar with who I am, my name is Kenny Mattingly. Uh, I head up our students and our community groups here. Uh, and, and I say head up because I, I serve alongside these people who have said yes uh, to a ministry uh, in which it takes people. It takes people gathering people. It takes people uh, pouring into other people. And so I head up those teams. Uh, and, and man, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. It's a, it's a blessing. It's, it's an enjoyment that I, I get to do something I love and yet um, join God in those things. And so uh, if you're new with us, I, I would like to uh, turn your attention really quickly. Uh, we have uh, two different ways to connect uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, we have a QR code that you, you'll be able to visit later on during the uh, service, uh, or you might have gotten one of these connect cards when you walked in. Um, these are really important. Uh, why? Because there's going to be some uh, applicable steps later on today uh, that is going to push you towards community, being plugged in, uh, taking next steps, and this is how we do that here uh, at Christ Community. And so I wanted to uh, make sure you're aware of that, and you will have an opportunity later on during the service to um, lean in. And so um, we are in 1 John 2, 28 through 3, 10. I'll give you some uh, time to turn there. Uh, as I just remind you where we've been uh, in this series, and, and we're in a series called Thieves of Joy. Things in our lives, things in our, perhaps our walk with Christ that direct or uh, steal our attention from our Savior, from, from the hope that we have in Him. Things that uh, steal our ability to be uh, present when, when He's with us. You know, there's this distraction in our life. Whatever those things are, uh, we have a, a large list of them as we walk through First John. But the reality is, uh, we're probably not going to cover all of them. Because there's a lot of distractions that, that Satan will use in our lives to take our attention away, to uh, say we're not good enough, to uh, tell us that we've got to work on ourselves a little bit more before we can join Jesus in what he's doing. And so uh, I, my hopes this morning is to point us back towards the cross, point us back towards the hope that we have in him. First John. 2, 28 through 310. I want us to start with Scripture and end with Scripture this morning. So if you will read with me. So now, little children, remain in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone 
who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he, has, he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, as we have paused our weeks, we put aside our plans to engage in communion with you, to uh, join as a, a body of believers, as brothers and sisters, as, as John writes, may we be reminded of the hope that we have in you. Not in what we do, not in what we're capable of, not in our shortcomings, but we have hope in you. Father, may your words be preached this morning. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Mason Ballard. Not very many of you know that name. Some of you do. Mason Ballard uh, was one of my closest friends growing up in high school. Uh, you have to understand something. We did not belong together as friends. He was... Uh, uh, he. <laughs> He practiced, uh, um, he was a, a magician, I don't know how you say that, he, he wasn't like dark arts magician, he just liked doing tricks, okay, and I just did drugs, okay, that's, it was two opposite spectrums, we were not supposed to be friends, uh, and yet we met through youth group, and as the friendship uh, started to grow, uh, this guy showed up at my house on a regular basis, like so regular that he just became part of the family, but I don't think he understood that. Like, he, he had this love for my family that just, it didn't make sense. Like, why do you like my family so much? Maybe he came from a broken family, and yet my family was also blended. And he just always was there. If we were doing something together, it wasn't necessarily fun, right? You got those friends that hang out, and then it's like time to do some work, and they're like, hey, that was really fun, Mrs. So-and-so, but I'm going to go back home, right? And they peace out. This guy stuck around all the time. It didn't matter what we were doing. It didn't matter what my dad asked him to do. It didn't matter if my dad said something rude or inappropriate to him. 
He still was like, nah, I'm, I, this is my family. And, and one day, you know, he, he was being shy in the kitchen. He had this way of walking. He used to kind of remind me of Bear in the Big Blue House. If anybody knows what I'm talking about. He would just walk, right? This nonchalant walk, and he would, you know, kick his feet. If he's like, can I, you know, maybe stay the night, Mr. and Mrs. Mattingly? And my dad finally was just like, Mason, you do realize that you are part of this family. You, you are part of this family. And he, it just clicked. Something in that statement, right? Coming from, not, not because he was doing good things at my house, not because he was a friend of mine, but because my father said, you belong in this family. Man, it changed how he operated, so much so that, um, gosh, 90% of the time that Megan and I were on dates, he was there. Yeah, it was great. Man, you talk about someone just keeping you accountable. That's him. So much so that, uh, you know, on our wedding day, it was finally like a parting thing, like, hey, Mason, you can't come with us. That's, that's the relationship. But, but he still, to this day, remains someone that if you asked my family, who is Mason Ballard, they almost might call him Mason Mattingly. Because he chose to be part of that family, especially after hearing that you are part of this family. We as believers in Jesus Christ, you and I, are family. Not just because we go to CCC or find ourselves a part of a community group or D group or we serve in a ministry. Well, we feel the closeness of the Holy Spirit knitting us together. All that is good, but that's not why. We have been, pay attention to this word, adopted into God's family through the works of His Son, Jesus Christ. A multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, life-changing, world-engaging, purpose-possessing hands and feet of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior type of family. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says this, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed, right? We're that work in progress. Mason didn't know what it meant to be a Mattingly, but he was just trying his best. Trying to fit in, to plug in, whatever it took. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Can I get an amen? Yeah. But here's the thing. Some of us, we didn't say amen. I don't want to call you out. I want you to share in, in the same thing that I carry on my shoulders. You know, for some of us, we didn't, we didn't call out amen. We just didn't feel it this morning. Maybe you're just an introvert. Maybe you just don't have time for these Kenny shenanigans, and you're like, get on with the message, sir. I'm getting there. Really, I believe that many of us sit quietly or give a half-hearted amen because we do not see the great love that he has for us. For some, that may be because you don't yet know Jesus Christ 
You have not made the decision to give your life to him, to accept the invitation to be part of his family. Others may sit quietly because of something that you carry. Something meant for good, but has been mishandled or abused. Something that is a thief of our joy and our hope in Jesus. That thief is shame. Shame is and always will be a result of sin. But let us define shame before we move forward. There, there are things such as healthy shame, and then there's unhealthy shame. So the, the definition we're running with this morning is this. Shame is the painful emotion caused by a consciousness of guilt. Right? Guilt, that's the first type. An action that had dishonoring consequences. Whether that dishonor was laid on yourself or because of, of someone else, right? We've dishonored God. Or it's of a shortcoming. You failed to do a circumstance due to circumstances. You couldn't match up again, but there's no guilt. But there might be an intense feeling of shame. Or impropriety. Made to feel foolish or embarrassed, but there's no evil intent. You, you dressed the wrong way in an event, right? You show up and you're like, ooh, I'm so embarrassed. But nothing happened that was evil. I want to throw that shame out the window, okay? And all the rest we're going to talk about. The first two types are guilt and our shortcomings. The reality is this. We've all felt and dealt shame in some way, shape, or form. Because we are by nature sinful. Some shame heaped upon ourselves because of the, lame, because of the life that we choose to live or the sinfulness that we find our, our, our lives slipping back into. For others, shame has been placed upon your shoulders by someone or something else. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally shamed because of, another, because of another sin or perhaps just because we live in a broken, marred, sin world. So there's two um, directives I want you to uh, look at as, as, as we power through this. Shame as a guide directs us from the family of God. Right? When shame is our guide, we tell ourselves we're not worthy, we're not good enough. Shame as a gauge directs us towards the family. Right? We get that temperature like, hey man, I haven't had, well, where's Jesus in my life? You start asking those type of questions versus heaping shame upon your shoulders, telling yourself that you are not worthy. But that's not what John tells us in 1 John. You are children of God. See, the great love not only tells us to turn our eyes, but it, it tells us where to dwell. Um, I, I'm not a you know, super seminary uh, degree guy, so I'm not going to camp out in the Greek a whole lot. But as I did camp out there this week, one thing I realized is that when John is writing to, to his, his listeners... None of these words are just a one-time thing. We're supposed to continue to see Jesus, to dwell in Him, so that, right, verse 28, we won't be ashamed before Him. There's something important about that word shame 
that we should pay attention to. Why is it, though, that I'm so focused on shame this morning? Because the apostle reminds us that shame is our guide, as our guide will drift us away from the family that we've been adopted into. We'll start to say statements like this. We will allow shame to tell us that we're not good enough. We might say, why try? Or I've already messed up, what's one more time? That's a, a future me problem. I'll never be good enough. Shame as our guide makes it all about ourselves. Paul does a great job of uh, perhaps painting a picture of just how uh, man confusing shame can be when it is our guide. How difficult it is to follow Jesus when shame is our guide and not our gauge to tell us to come closer. Paul in Romans 7, 14 through 24, says this. Let's read together. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. I'm going to pause here for a second. This is probably one of the hardest, like you, you read, and maybe it's super simple, but just to hear it, you might be thinking I'm going crazy this morning. I'm not. Paul is painting a picture of this wrestle that we have with sin in our lives, especially after we've been adopted into the family, that we are more aware of this wrestle. Continuing on verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I'm no longer the one doing, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me. But there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Woe is me! If we stop right there, right, this is, we're like, Paul, did you just, did you get in trouble and you're trying to tell your parents this is why you weren't doing what I, listen, I wanted to really do, I wanted to please you, but I just couldn't because like, I just, it's not in me to do that. Super confusing until you realize that Paul's trying to paint this picture of a continual struggle as believers that should exist. He's not calling for complacency or calling for excuses. He's drawing our attention that there is a process that happens when we belong to the family. If you found yourself echoing the struggle and cry for help that Paul does here, you may be following shame as a guide this morning. 
So what do we do with this dilemma? This shame brought on by the revelation of sin. If Paul stopped here, shame is a guide. That's the type of mentality, right? He says, set your mind. Sets his mind on something. Verse 25, though, Paul gives us a glimpse of Jesus, right? Verse 25, thanks be to God. Right, his attention turns from himself back to the one we are called to see. Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with my... Does anybody know what that word, what does it say? Great, look, you're, you're diving into a Bible study this morning. You didn't even know. Whoever said mind, gold star. With my mind, I myself am serving the law of God. But with my flesh, the law of sin. Paul sets shame straight, knowing that only God can and did deliver him from sin. Paul sets his mind to abide, to see this great love. It has nothing to do with Paul. Because if it did, Paul's going to go right back into that wrestling with sin. And yet he turns his eyes upon the cross, turns his eyes to see that love that will draw him back to the family. If we do not set our minds on the things of the Spirit, Paul continues. This is what, what happens. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So now, little children, remain in Him. Not the world, not your own plans, not your shame, but in Him. Now, if we allow shame to be our gauge, something else happens. We are able to see our hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 12 through 17 says this. So then, Paul's addressing, right, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons, right? His family. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, to be driven back into your old life because of shame. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. Really important here to understand the word adoption. 
It's so much greater than just a piece of paper. If we look here at this definition, it's a, uh, from the systematic theology. This is where I'm like, hey, Kenny's not smart enough to tell you about this. But we're going to uh, uh, look at it together. So we can throw that up on the screen really quick. <clears throat> Moreover, God could, get, could have given us justification without privilege of adoption into his family. For he could have forgiven our sins and given us right legal standing before him without making us his children. He didn't have to give us a name. It is important to realize this because it helps us to recognize how great our privilege is in adoption. Regeneration has to do with our spiritual life within. Justification has to do with our standing before God's law. But adoption has to do with our relationship with God. God as our Father. And in adoption, we are given many great blessings that we will know for eternity. Something happens when we are adopted into God's family. right? Not just set straight on a good path, not just set free to make good decisions now, but we are fully restored into the image in which He created us. So what do we do when we feel shame? Right? The, the healthy shame. The, the shame that when, when we feel it, we can ask some questions. As, as Blake and DJ helped me prep this week, um, one of the questions is, what can I own? What can I own? Does anybody a people pleaser in here? A little bit? I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm not a super Enneagram person, but I'm, I've been called a two, and I want to make sure that I, I, I make sure everybody's happy. Is everybody happy this morning? Don't answer that. I don't care. I'm doing good, right? Shame tells us that we have to do better, and yet Christ says you, you've, you already have, right? Because I did it, right? Because you have my name. And because of that, our lives look different. What do we do when we have the bad shame, right? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I, I keep saying the word shame, and you're like, oh, this weight on my shoulders, it keeps getting heavier. What do you do? What do you do in, in a week from now when shame creeps in? Well, how about a month? How about a year? What, what about good, bad, or indifferent shame, right? Because you, you didn't realize that shame was taking you away, directing you away from the Father. Paul writes in, in, in Romans that this reminder to wrestle with the flesh. 1 John 2.28 So now, little children, remain in Him. What do I do when I get the shame? Remain in Him. So when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we have confidence instead of shame before the Lord, we must remain in him. If we want to have that confidence, if we want to walk as the Lord has called us to walk, we, we want to uh, be what we, we read about in Scripture. Well, I want to I live that new life that I've been promised. We have to have confidence. We can't have confidence if shame is directing us away from the Lord as our guide. So what do we do here at Christ Community? This is the application part. This is like, we've heard about shame, Kenny. This is great, but I don't want to go home crying. Like I, I want to I do something about it. 
Here are a few ways that I would encourage you in taking next steps to allow shame to be a gauge rather than a guide as you pursue Him. As simple as it is, to remain in Him. To allow shame to re- redirect us instead of define us, we must, here are the three things, be in His Word, be in His family, and be in His ways. I want to flesh those out really quick for you. The first, be in His Word. As simple as a task this may sound, we do not naturally drift towards it. At the very least, our hearts do not naturally cry out for, for the Lord to bring life. We, we don't want to sit in His Word because of perhaps the shame that will be brought up. Now here at Christ Community, what we do, it looks a little different, but some encouraging next steps may be that you just start a Bible study. You're not going to start wrong if you start with the Lord. Perhaps that's just through uh, uh, picking a, a book of the Bible or uh, going through one of the YouVersion app. Like there, There's no excuse on that part. right? Like, Kenny, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. Me neither. That's why I use the Bible and the Bible app, and it just helps me do some great diving in. There's no excuse there, right? But then there's also one extra step, uh, what we call D-groups here at Christ Community. You're going to hear this again uh, because it's another part of how we, we flesh it out. But in D-groups, it's like this, like, hey, if you're going to be in Him, you're sharing life with me, we're going deeper into Scripture, we're going to be in Scripture at least five times a week. Like, you are, are making note to be in His Word on a regular basis so that you can remain in Him. Be in his family, right? the church, the people who have also confessed they too believe in Jesus and believe in his works here on earth. There are at least three ways that we strive to remain in him here at CCC. Not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to gather together here on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., Not because we live in a free country that does have its perks, but because our Savior lives. We have something to gather about. He didn't just stop at the cross, right? He didn't stop at the woe is me, I see my sin, but now I see my Savior. And we join together every single Sunday at 10 a.m. to be reminded to remain in Him. We also have group life here at CCC. And that fleshes out in two different ways. But something amazing happens. Let me just say this. As I head up with, um, run our, our groups here at Christ Community, I always struggle with, like, how do you explain community groups and D-groups? And the reality is, when God's people get together, Colin Johnson's not here this morning, but they were, they were uh, camping out in Acts chapter 2, uh, and, and, and verses 42 through 47. You can flip there if you want later today and do another Bible study. But it was like, what, what does the church look like? And to water it all down, God's people gathered together, and then God did something. It was never about what the people all, like, oh, we were were in the Word. Well, that's great, but what did the Lord do in you as you were in Him? That's what happens in the book of Acts, and so we we encourage that as we set the foundations here at Christ Community for our our group life. Our community groups, they're going to have the same uh, ingredients as D groups will, but there's different levels of them. You're going to experience them differently. Community groups is more about doing life together 
as a whole. All right, our kids play baseball together. Let's, let's do life together. Let's keep each other accountable, right? Let's, let's strategically plan our week where we say, I'm going to set aside time to gather with God's people so that I can be in his family, with his family. There's something that happens when we gather together, and it's not what we do, but what the Holy Spirit does in us. In D groups, those same things exist, uh, and yet you take a, a, a step further to say, hey, now that I, I get that I'm, I'm supposed to dwell with God's people, people, but I'm also supposed to replicate, join him in mission. So to remain in him, I have to be in his mission, and if I'm doing so, I'm making more disciples. Not that look like me, but look like me chasing after Jesus. Because we're still going to sin, right? John says it in, in his, his letter. We're not yet fully revealed, but we best get to work because Jesus is doing some work. If you want to be able to do those things, right? This is almost like beating a dead horse. Be in his ways. You can't really be in his ways if you're not in his family and you're not in his word. The instructions he gives us, the life he calls us into, the family he has blessed us with. If we're not in those things, it makes it really hard to practice the one another's, right? To love one another. Yeah, I love myself real good this week, Kenny. Well, that's awesome. What about your neighbor? What about your brothers and your sisters in Christ? Are those things fleshing out in your life or are you letting shame tell you, I don't want, I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to see the real me. So it directs you, draws you away from the family that you have been adopted into. So what do we do here at Christ Community? We lean in. We take next steps. I don't, I don't know what a next step specifically for you looks like. But we encourage you to take a next step. Whether that be leaning in to what the Lord is doing in your life and taking the next step out of the country to go serve somewhere, or perhaps removing a layer of, of disconnect in your life and getting into community where you can experience and see that great love in which He has given us. To remain in Him, we must be in His ways, in his family, and in his word. And if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, hey, Kenny, listen, I, I do just fine by myself. Like, yeah, I get the whole shame thing, and I'll wrestle with it in, like, sometime this week and be fine. I, I use this quote on a regular basis in my own life because I, I get complacent in my walk. This quote from D.A. Carson <clears throat> says this, people do not drift Toward holiness, apart from grace, apart from that family, apart from being adopted, it's just driven effort. People do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith in the delight of the Lord. Right, those things that community group strives for us to do, we don't, we don't do, I don't do that on a regular basis in my life. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we've been liberated. 
And we, we fall back into that old life. Because outside of Him, we are incapable. Outside of Him, we are unable to remain in Him. We can't just start doing things and be like, oh, this will die. Yeah, I'm going to be closer to Jesus after this. You have to start with Him, to remain in Him, to see what great love that we have been called sons and daughters. The band's going to come back up and, and continue to lead us in worship. What we do around the Word, what we sing about the Word, the Word that became flesh. <clears throat> when we tame shame... It allows us to sing out, Amen, when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We inch by inch and mile by mile run the race set before us. Not because we have, we have to, right? Not because we have to, but because we get to. Our hope is not in what we have done, but what He has done for us. And what He shall continue to do through us. As we come forward in invitation to communion, as we remember that Christ not only died on the cross for our sins, to give us the ability to say no to sin by His Spirit, but to stand firm in the household of the Lord as sons and daughters. If you find yourself this morning wrestling with shame, or perhaps you feel the pull on your heart that you just want to reach out, right? And you want to grab those adoption papers to say, yes, I am a son or daughter of the God Most High. You have that opportunity. The invitation is open. Blake and Katie will be back in the back to, to meet you there. Now, if you are already in God's family and that shame has weighed upon you for who knows how long, you now know that that shame is supposed to direct us towards the family, not away from. We'll be able to sing with loud voices this morning, right? That's everybody in the room, right? We can sing with confidence, and we can sing these words out loud. I want to read these words, and I'm, I'm just, we're just, we're going into, we're going into, worship. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing as a family. We're hopefully going to take next steps for those who haven't given their life to Christ. Like, go. We'll meet you there. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Man, this is the confidence that I, I believe John is trying to tell his readers that we have when we stand before the Lord and we are in his family. Right? No matter what shame that we have in our life, no matter the problems, no matter the distance. This is what Paul says. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are family. We belong through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shame, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, as we 
as we sing, I pray we lay down our burdens. I pray we lay down our shame. I pray that you redefine shame in our life so that it, it helps us walk towards you and it doesn't drive us away from you. That we're not guided by our emotions, but we are called in to repentance. That we are reminded that we have been given a new name, a new life as sons and daughters of the God Most High. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, we hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in and experience Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.